I received some feedback after the 8 o'clock service uh, that my sermon was not necessarily clear. So I'm going to try to put some signposts in to help you through the fog. This morning I want to talk about the power of God, the power of God's presence the glorious and magnificent and sometimes overwhelming power of God in our presence. In 1978, I took a one-week course on Christian meditation in the parish community. In that one week's time, I became aware of God's presence in my life and our lives, the palpable presence as I had never known it before. The course began with the reading of the same gospel lesson I have just read. It always reminds me of the power of God's presence and how transforming it can be. So I want to talk about that power this morning. Now, first of all, over the last several weeks, during this season of Epiphany, We have been talking and reading lesson after lesson about the revealing of who God is, about the revealing of this message which Jesus is becoming aware of and trying to share with the world. And we have heard week after week that the evidence of God's inbreaking, renewing, healing a broken creation can be seen in the miracles that surround the ministry of Jesus. Miracles in which the lame walk, the person with leprosy is cured not only physically, but spiritually, and reintegrated into human community, socially healed. We have heard about the casting out of demons, all kinds of healings, and each not to call attention to itself, but as illustrations of God's deep desire to heal a broken creation. Now, one of the problems in our age is that when modern skeptical people hear about these miracles, we stop listening instead of invitations into believing 
they become walls or blocks. I simply want to point out first that miracles still happen. God is still endeavoring to heal a broken creation, even though they often happen in a very different way, without Jesus physically present, maybe even without one of his disciples present. Think for a moment of the miracles you have witnessed. In the last congregation I served, there was a woman living, breathing, moving around with a liver in her body different from the one she was born with. Is that not a miracle? Since I've been here a year ago, I think two, maybe three of you have had knees replaced. In some cases, two knees at the same time. Some of you are walking around because you have a little electrical mechanical device in a pocket of your skin that keeps your heart beating. That seems pretty miraculous to me. Tomorrow will be the 50th anniversary of John Glenn's first flight in space. He was in space for four hours, 55 minutes, and 23 seconds, 162 miles above the Earth. In those four hours, he saw three sunsets and three sunrises. When he looked out the window, it was as if fireflies were all about. He was warned that there were problems and the reentry might be disastrous. But most of us can remember seeing or on the History Channel seeing that he landed safely on Mother Earth. I think miracles still abound. Open your mind, see them, celebrate them. Much out of the ordinary is possible. Now, even if you have uh, listened and are willing to open your minds, you have just heard us read two stories that are really so beyond the pale, so outside of possibility, so outside of imagination, even if you're willing to go a little while with me, you won't go that far. But my second point this morning is, we have been asked to listen to these lessons for exactly that reason 
to understand that the God we worship has a power and an ability way, way beyond our normal experience. So let me unfold those two examples from the Old Testament and Gospel readings. In the Old Testament reading, we learn of the end of Elijah's ministry as the greatest prophet in the history of Israel. He hands his power over to his successor. And then with more than 50 people watching, the heavens open up, a whirlwind appears, a chariot like a fire led by flaming horses, and Elijah goes up to heaven. Anybody seen that one? But what you've just heard the story about is the only man in human history who avoided both death and taxes. <laughs> Tell your accountant about that one. Way beyond. And in the gospel lesson, we see this young preacher, teacher, rabbi, come Messiah go aside to pray with three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. And when they get to the top of that mountain, all of a sudden, Jesus begins to change. And that brother of theirs becomes like unto God glowing forth with the eternal light. And if that is not enough beyond your credibility, he is talking to the two men from history that, as best we know, are the only two that never died, Elijah and Moses, They hadn't been around for 800 years, and he's talking to them way beyond our ability to believe in that kind of power. So why, if it so stretches our imagination, have we been asked to read these lessons on this day. First, there's a reason for Jesus. This story it happens in the absolute middle of the Gospel of Mark. The first half is Jesus coming in to public awareness his beginning to teach and heal. 
And now he has become aware that he needs to head to Jerusalem. Inevitable conflict, suffering, and death. Where is he going to find the wherewithal to head in that direction? And just at that point, the transfiguration takes place. He hears, you are my son, with you I am well pleased. He receives confirmation and affirmation. The ability to move into that second part of his ministry. I believe there are times when we will encounter obstacles, things in our life where we can't imagine even if all the human resources are brought together, that we can get beyond. How can we get beyond? These lessons say there is a power, there is a being, and that being is God. Let me just briefly read to you how Annie Dillard speaks of that power. Here it is, she writes. On the whole, I do not find Christians outside the catacombs sufficiently sensible of the conditions does anyone have the foggiest idea what sort of power we so blithely invoke when we pray to God, worship God? She continues, the churches are like children playing on the floor with their chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. Here we are, playing on the floor with our chemistry sets, mixing up a batch of TNT to kill a Sunday morning. It is madness to wear ladies' straw hats and velvet hats to church. We should all be wearing crash helmets. Ushers should issue life preservers and signal flares. They should be lashing us to our pews. For the sleeping God may awake someday and take offense at us. Or the waking God might draw us out to where we can never return. The power 
of our God. And like our God was with Jesus, God is with us and for us. So what does that mean as we live our lives? I think this President's Weekend about two of our greatest, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. Did anybody think Washington and his ragtag army could win that war? Could anybody imagine this group of off-the-edge idealists putting together a country and a nation? But you had this man, George Washington, who believed in the power of God and let God teach him a wisdom raise him to a courage, bring him to a humility that has shaped all of our lives. Lincoln asked to lead in the midst of one of the bloodiest wars of all time, never lost his hope for unity reconciliation and forgiveness through the power of God's grace. I think of the bishop I served in Massachusetts, Barbara Harris, who articulated the point I am trying to make this morning so powerfully. When she encountered a problem in her life or our diocese did, you can invariably hear her say, there is no obstacle before us that has anywhere near the power of the God with us and behind us. I think of the Sunday morning in Cape Town, South Africa, when Desmond Tutu was to preach his first sermon against apartheid. He was warned not to do so. And when the choir and clergy processed into the church, they saw all around the church African soldiers armed with guns. At the appointed time, Desmond climbed into the pulpit, took a moment of silence, turned to those soldiers and said, this is a wonderful day for you. 
You have the opportunity today to join the winning side. You're on the losing side. We know you have all the power and all the money and all the guns, but your cause is wrong. And we have God on our side, the God of truth and justice, and we cannot lose. This is your day. Please leave the losing side. Join the winning side. There is a power and nothing is so great as it. It is with us and for us, whatever walk we need to walk. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.